we're looking at Matthew chapter 2. You know, our conduct is usually controlled by our expectations. For example, do parents have a harder time getting their kids out of bed on Christmas morning or on the first day back to school after the holidays? Obviously, we know because they're anticipating something on Christmas morning. So our conduct is influenced by our expectations. I read about the late actress Helen Hayes, who talked about cooking her first turkey for Thanksgiving. She knew she was a lousy cook. Her family knew she was a lousy cook, but she had been married for several years. She thought she probably ought to give it a try. But before she did, she sat down with her husband and their young son and said, now, I don't know how this is going to turn out. She said, so if it turns out terrible, just stand up from the table and we'll all go out to a restaurant for Thanksgiving dinner. So she went back into the kitchen and a few minutes later she came out with the turkey on the platter and her husband and son were sitting there with their coats and hats on. Uh, they were anticipating. In other words, there it is again. Expectations influence our conduct. Well, in Matthew chapter 2, the wise men didn't find what they were expecting. They were expecting something, but they found something quite different than what they anticipated. They came to the palace expecting to find a newborn royal prince, but that isn't what they found. Matter of fact, they had to travel to Nazareth and meet this royalty on the backside of a barn. That wasn't at all what they anticipated. How do you respond when you're following a star and you find a stable? That's my title here this morning, following a star and finding a stable. Now, we call these men magi. We get our word magic, magicians from that. But they were Persian sages. They were Persian wise men. We call them wise men, that's the word that we use, uh, because they were. They had studied history. They were evidently astrologists, astronomers. They studied the stars. They had some remnants of the Hebrew scriptures that Daniel left behind. He was the leading prophet that was there in Babylon. They had Daniel's writings as probably as well as some of the other Old Testament writings because the Jews were in captivity there for 70 years. So they had, they had studied some of the scriptures that they had. They had looked at the stars and they saw this shining star. So we call them wise men because they were wise. But at least in part, we call them wise men because they sought Christ when others were indifferent to Christ. They sought the Savior when others were ignoring the Savior. I'll offer a third reason, at least this morning, why we call them wise men. Because they responded to the unexpected appropriately. So I'm going to focus on that here this morning. Following a star, finding a stable. Let's look at Matthew chapter 2 and we'll read these verses. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king... Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, Persia, and uh, have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, 
and all of Jerusalem with him. When Herod got troubled, heads rolled, as we well know from history. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes together, he inquired of them where Christ was to be born. So they said to him, they knew in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it was written by the prophet. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least amongst the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go, search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me, that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with his mother, Mary, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country in another way. I want you to notice three things from this passage of Scripture, three observations. First of all, wise men respond to the truth. Wise men respond to the truth. Now, before you accuse me of sloppy scholarship, I realize that the Bible informs us that the Magi found the Christ child in a house, not in the stable. Verse 11 tells us that, that they found Christ in a house, not in the stable, contrary to what probably most of us have in our living room, you know, the nativity scene, there are the wise men there with the shepherds and others. We also assume there were three wise men because of the gifts that were presented. We assume that, we don't know that, but they gave him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So we assume, okay, there were three wise men, probably with several other servants or attendants that would be with them. We would conclude, because they found Jesus and Mary and Joseph in a house, that it wasn't very long that they were in the stable. Maybe just one night that they spent the night in the stable, the very night that Jesus was born. Certainly, Joseph would have found immediately better accommodations for his young child, for their young child. Their infant son was now in a house. The lodging at the stable was, was very, very temporary. But the point being this, when they found Christ, even though it wasn't at the stable, it was probably in a very humble home, they didn't find him in a palace. They didn't find him in a palace uh, couched in splendor. They found him in very crude and humble surroundings, very simple surroundings. And the Bible tells us in verse 11, the Bible calls him a child. It uses the Greek word pedon, which means child. It doesn't use the word, the Greek word for newborn infant, which is brephos. Jesus could have been weeks old, but probably maybe even longer than that. Maybe he was a couple of months old when the Magi came because the Bible refers to him as a child, not a newborn infant. 
but the family was still in Bethlehem, which indicates it was probably a relatively short period of time. They hadn't fled Bethlehem. Herod hadn't killed the newborns yet, so it was a relatively short period of time in which they had elapsed before the wise men found him. The point is, these wise men went to the palace. They initially went to the palace in the capital city of Israel, which was Jerusalem. No doubt they started off on their journey. Maybe the star appeared when Jesus was conceived in Mary's womb nine months earlier. And they started following the star. And it was a long trek above the the Fertile Crescent, following the Fertile Crescent. They didn't cut straight across from from what is present-day Iran over to present-day Israel. They always followed the Fertile Crescent. So it was weeks, if not a couple of months' journey. Maybe the star appeared at the conception when the Holy Spirit came upon Mary and conceived the Christ child. And they began this journey to Jerusalem and no doubt following the revelation that God gave them. For them, it was the scriptures that they had, the partial scriptures that they had, but this natural revelation, this Shekinah glory was what we would assume it is because the Shekinah glory was in the tabernacle and then in the temple signifying the presence of God. So the Shekinah glory in the star appears and they they follow it. And at some point, I think, They stopped following divine revelation and depended upon their human logic. They said, as they got to Jerusalem, okay, of course, Jerusalem's the capital city. Jerusalem is where the kings live, the king of the Jews. And so they immediately went to the palace. They stopped following revelation and followed their natural inclination, maybe we would say. And because they did that, Because they did that, Herod became informed and Herod became jealous. Herod was 70 years old and he was worried about a baby taking his throat. That's how jealous he was. He killed his wives, he killed all of his sons. He wanted all the leading people to be killed when he died so at least people would mourn because he was so hated, he was a crazy man. But because they stopped following Revelation, in my opinion, and followed their natural inclinations and said, this is where the king of the Jews would be born, it cost many women their baby infants in that surrounding environment. There's always a cause when we don't follow Scripture. And I'm not trying to be too hard on the Magi, but it is a point to consider They stopped following their miraculous star and began to use their own reasoning, and that was what we would say would be a costly mistake. You know, in every age, when wise men are handed a surprising disappointment, when wise men are handed a surprising disappointment, they don't retreat, they don't quit, they meditate, and they remind themselves God's will is somewhere here. God's will for me is somewhere here in this out-of-the-way out of place. God's will is here. They got to the barn. They got to the stable. They got to the manger. They came in and they realized God's will is here for us. This is where God was leading us all along. 
So wise people, when they're met with surprising circumstances or disappointments, realize that God is in the details. God is here for us. There is truth for me here. We need to be reminded of that. Maybe you've stumbled into a stable this year. Things haven't turned out the way you anticipated. You were anticipating great things in some area, but it hasn't panned out as you thought it would. These wise men didn't stomp out of the palace or stomp out of the stable, and they didn't say, well, well, I never, I never expected something like this. This is ridiculous. King of the Jews in a stable? They didn't say that. We expected better than this. No, they believed God was there and they found him. They believed God was there and they found him and they worshiped him. So, wise men find God in the unexpected of life. Wise men find God in the unexpected circumstances and details of life. So we have to ask ourselves, are we wise today? Number two, wise men offer their best. Wise men offer their best. We all know the wise men gave to the Christ child gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Strange gifts, we would say, to some degree at least. Gold, of course, gold because he was the deity. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, the Bible tells us. He is the king of kings. He is above all other earthly kings and kingdoms. So they presented him gold, the gift of kings. Frankincense. We recognize the last part of that word, certainly, incense, because the priest offered incense at the altar at the Jewish temple. Incense represented the prayers of the Jewish people to God, and frankincense was an expensive type of incense, and they offered him that because Jesus is the high priest. We've learned that in the book of Hebrews. He is the mediator between God and men. No man can come to God except through Jesus Christ. He is the mediator. He is the ultimate high priest. So they gave him frankincense, and they gave him myrrh. You know, we would call myrrh balming and fluid today. Myrrh was what they used in preparing a body for burial in that day, and it was expensive. So they offered him myrrh with the foresight, God-given no doubt, that Jesus was going to die. Jesus is the Savior that would die for the sins of the world. They probably didn't understand it completely, but they understood enough to offer him myrrh that Jesus would die for the sins of mankind as the Savior of the world, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Worship, and that's what they did as they gave him their gifts. Worship involves understanding who the Lord is. And what he has done 
then honoring him with what we have. That's what worship is. Recognizing who God is, what he's done in our behalf, and then offering him what we have. For some of us, that became reality as adults. For some here today, that became a reality as a child. For some, maybe you haven't come to that point where you can truly worship God because you don't really understand who he is and you haven't accepted him as your personal savior. Worship for these wise men was costly and it was time-consuming. Costly and time-consuming. Costly, the trip cost them a big part of a year. It was time-consuming to travel all the way across the Fertile Crescent, to take their servants with them, to offer their gifts. It was costly and it was time-consuming to worship the Lord. Would that be true of us? Would it be true of us if, if we did an inventory in our life that our worship to God is costly and time-consuming? The temptation. The temptation when we're disappointed. To don't think for a moment that they weren't disappointed, at least initially. The wise men had to be disappointed. They didn't find what they were expecting. You know what happens when we're disappointed? The temptation when we have been disappointed is to hold back our best. To hold back our best. When we get hurt, when we get disappointed, when our expectations aren't met, we say, uh, I just want to give it my all. The wise men could have reasoned when they had the gifts in their hand these expensive gifts, they could have reasoned this way. They could have said, well, these are just poor people. These are just ignorant peasants. They don't understand the value of these gifts that we have. They won't know how to use these expensive gifts that we have. And they could have held back their best with their disappointment. We must ask ourselves, Am I giving my best to the Lord even when I'm disappointed in life? Am I still giving my best to the Lord? That's one of the marks of a wise person, a wise man. The sale, as you probably know, the sale of these three gifts, the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh, is what made it possible for Jesus' earthly parents, Joseph and Mary, to be able to get them out of Bethlehem. They immediately left Bethlehem and went to Egypt and they escaped the wrath of Herod as he killed the babies in that surrounding area. It was the sale of those gifts that made their trip to Egypt possible. So let me give you another point of contemplation. Wise men will worship God even when life doesn't make sense. Wise people will worship God even when life doesn't make sense for them. But they hang on, they hang on to their faith. They hang on to the goodness of God. They realize that God is sovereign. That means he's in control of everything. And God always does what is in our best interest. Spiritually speaking, always what's done in our best interest. So wise men offer their best. Number three. 
Wise men change their direction. Wise men change their direction. I truly believe that these wise men came to an understanding of who the Christ child was on this trip. They may have had some passages of scripture. They had the natural revelation, the Shekinah glory, the unusual star that led them. Stars don't don't move along, but this star led them. By the way, they lost the star when they got to Jerusalem, and then they found the star once they continued on to Nazareth, the Bible tells us. So I believe that these wise men came to understand who the Christ child was on this trip. No doubt Mary and Joseph undoubtedly told them of his miraculous birth. I mean, Joseph said, I've not had relationship with this woman. And no doubt Mary explained that the angel Gabriel told her that this child was conceived of the Holy Spirit. No doubt they told him about the angels that appeared, a great myriad number of angels that appeared and shouted and sang to them. Then the shepherds came and paid adoration to them. And then it was a fulfillment. Mary and Joseph knew the scriptures. They might have been poor, but they weren't ignorant. They were godly people. We understand that. They knew the scriptures. They were devout Jews. And no doubt they recited the many prophecies about Christ coming into this world, which were validated now as the wise men saw the Christ child. They, these men had their questions answered and their faith validated, and they left changed. They left changed people. So I have to ask, have you been to Christ? You can't go to the crash. You can't go to the, you can't go to the manger scene. But have you come to Christ? Have you met him personally? Have you recognized him for who he is? Not the babe in the manger, but the Savior on the cross shedding his blood for our sins so we might have eternal life. Have you come to the Savior? I guess I could say it this way. Has he changed the direction of your life? He did for me as a college student. Even though I grew up in a semi-religious home. I didn't come to know Christ until uh, my second year of college. Have you come to Christ? Because they acted on the light that they had, the light that they were given, which was natural revelation, maybe some scripture, because they acted on the truth, the light, the revelation that they had, By following the star, God gave them additional revelation. That's what the Bible tells us. When we act upon the truth that we have, God gives us more truth. God gives us greater understanding. He gives us more light. But he's waiting for us to respond to the truth, to the light, to the revelation that we have. God speaks to them in a dream, giving them more revelation because they'd responded to the truth that they had. God speaks to them in a dream. That was not uncommon, of course, in the Old Testament. Abraham had dreams. Isaac had dreams. Jacob had dreams. Many of the prophets had dreams. Joseph had dreams. God often spoke in the Old Testament to dream because they didn't have a written down scripture as we do today. So God spoke to them in a dream, and he tells them to change their plans. 
Basically, he says, Herod wants to kill the Christ child. Don't go back to Herod. Go a different way home. And so they didn't go back to Jerusalem. They gave Herod the slip, if we could say. So God speaks to them, tells them to go home a different route, he tells us in verse 12. When we respond to the truth that God gives us, he gives us more truth. Have you been obedient to the truth you already have? Of course, we have a completed revelation. We have an Old and a New Testament. We have the will of God written down in holy writ. Spiritual maturity is not directly tied to knowledge. It's tied to obedience. So we can have a full Bible sitting on our lap or at home. That doesn't necessarily bring the blessing of God. The blessing of God comes as we obey the truth that we have. Then the blessing of God comes and additional light comes. Let me conclude with this third application point. Wise men are discerning enough to recognize the truth and then humble enough to change directions when they learn it. So are we wise in the sense that this passage is telling us? That we recognize the truth and we change our direction when the truth cuts cross grains with how we live or how we think. Are we wise enough to recognize God's truth and then change directions? I hope so. Could you call yourself a wise man, a wise person today? I I hope so. God hopefully would give you that same evaluation. I hope you can say, I, I think I can say I'm wise because I search for the truth. When I find it, I change directions. I, I'm, I'm trying to follow the Lord. I hope he would give you that same evaluation. How do we know a wise person? First of all, a wise person responds to the truth. A wise person offers their best. A wise person changes direction when the truth shows them that. That's how we know if we're wise. Let's bow our heads and pray here as we finish up today. I would ask you, as we've sung and we've meditated on these Christmas songs that speak of the incarnation, have you come to the place in your life like the wise men did somewhere on this trip, probably when they came into the home, probably when they came into the home and they heard from Mary and Joseph and they they put the whole story together, they recognized that they were sinners, that they needed a Savior, and the Savior was right in front of them. Have you come to that place? I trust that you have. But if you haven't, there wouldn't be a better time, wouldn't be a better season, wouldn't be a better place than right here, right now, today, to accept Christ as your personal Savior. If you haven't, Would you pray with me? Father, I know I'm a sinner. I know that Jesus died on the cross for my sins as well as for others. And today, I trust him as my Lord and Savior. I give my life to him, recognizing what a great gift he's prepared for me in his son, in his forgiveness. 
And today, Lord, I present myself to you and ask you to become Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.